Welcome to Adulting Therapists, a podcast where two Portland therapist friends discuss what it's like to be a therapist, what we do to take care of ourselves, and meet with special guests to talk about mental health issues, stigma, and more. I'm Emily. And I'm Corey. And we're Adulting Adulting Therapists. Hey, Corey. Hey, Emily. Here we are on the third episode of Adulting Therapists. Do you feel like an adult yet? No. No, me neither. No. Oh. no I wish. Do I you? thought this was going to make me an adult. No. no. I don't think. Mm. <sighs> Shoot. <laughs> Maybe by our next episode we'll be adults. I think that is very true. It's totally possible. Yeah. Um, welcome to uh, the pod loft for number three. We have some visitors today. Uh, one of them is named Huxley, and one of them is named Zilla. They are the delightful felines of this household. So if you hear any background meowing, know that uh, it's not Corey. <laughs> I mean, it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Emily. It was really good. Was good <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so today's topic is... Um, Kind of like overall, like, body health and wellness. Yeah, yeah. And specifically, um, one thing we want to talk about is orthorexia. What's that? What is orthorexia? Yeah, so Emily and I have been talking about this for a little bit because, you know, we're women. We live in a society. Uh, Tell me more. What is the society? I'm (laughs) really confused about. It's this thing where you have to do things or else you feel bad about yourself. Oh. Yeah, it's a total bummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Our society kind of prescribes how we look and behave as women. Yeah, so we get a lot of messages from a very young age about what we are supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, turns out, did you know that your body just like does its thing and it may or may not look like the quote unquote model ideal? Uh, Are you telling me that it doesn't fucking matter what my body looks like? I am, in fact, telling you that. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Mind equals blown. Yeah. I mean... Um, And I will say that even knowing that rationally, it is really hard to not internalize a lot of these messages. mm -hmm. Um, And so I think something that we've been talking about a lot over our friendship has been uh, like these, these health and wellness blogs or fitness gurus and how they can kind of masquerade as body positivity or like health and you know like working out is good for your health and some of them are right and a lot of times people come away with this message of I'm not good enough my body doesn't look like theirs Um, my body will never look that way Mm -hmm. so walk we walk into this uh health and wellness world, like, nebula of. (laughs) Right. Like, how many, like, raise your hand if you have that one person on your feed who does Team Beachbody, and all they can talk about is how their life has changed for the better since they got thinner. Yes. And it's like, what about your life actually changes when you are thinner? Because I feel like every time I've been fixated on, like, working out or losing weight, I'm just evaluating myself so much that I'm not ever feeling happy with any results. You know? Yeah, yeah. You just keep looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, wow, I'm still not thin enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even at, like, the most in shape or, like, fit, quote-unquote fit that I've ever been in my life, I've still looked in the mirror and been like, oh, gross. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I definitely (laughs) have had my experiences with that even when I was... Working out every day, I'm still like, my belly button doesn't look right. Like, <laughs> how ridiculous is that? My belly button doesn't look right. Right? Oh my god. It's gosh. a belly button. Mm-hmm. I didn't, did you know there, <laughs> your belly button is supposed to look a specific way? Like, literally no one is looking at your belly button. I mean, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no one's looking at my belly button. I mean, it's terrifying to me that, that as women... We get so many of these messages that literally you are paranoid and anxious about what your belly button looks like. Yeah. Like, it is literally a... It's the tube, (laughs) the food tube from whence you you were in the womb. (laughs) 
It like, has a legitimate function. It's not supposed to be hot. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me my belly button is not a sexy feature? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's your food tube. Yeah, it's your food tube, so chill out about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's hard. I mean, right? you get inundated with these messages, and mm-hmm. lately we've seen a lot of health dressed up like fitness wellness, right? And mm-hmm. that there is such a big difference between being healthy and being obsessed with your weight and what you're eating and how you look and and placing your value as yourself for yourself as a person on those things. Mhm. I mean, I think it's everywhere, right? Like it's like raw foods. It's like Sorry, my cat is chewing on something, so I'm going to shoo her out of this room. <laughs> I'll continue. It's raw foods. It's eliminating all things, right? It's um, Whole30. Whole30. Can we talk about the Whole30? <laughs> Does anyone actually feel better after doing the Whole30? Because I feel like it's just practice restricting yourself so that you can develop more of an eating disorder later. I think a lot of people feel better after they eat the Whole30 because you take a lot of junk food out. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, to be honest, do I feel great after I eat four donuts? Yeah, that's fair. Yes or no? I mean, yes, I feel great because I loved each and every bite of those donuts. Mm-hmm. But does my body process sugar the same way? Am I going to have a sugar hangover? Possibly. Right. So I think a lot of people go into the Whole30 thinking, you know, I'm going to get myself back on track. But there's that subset of people that take from it, now I have to eliminate all these things constantly, consistently. I can't have them. They're bad. Mm -hmm. I can never process this again. All sugar is bad. I can't have it. All carbs are bad. I can't have it. Um, Right, like everything in moderation. Yeah, which is so limiting, right? And then think about the mental effects of living your life by these specific rules about what you can and can't have based on, you know, dressed up in health, but based on body image. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's, like, a huge separation between what is healthy and, like, I'm not going to lie, lots of things that I eat are probably not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a big difference between focused on eating healthy food and focused on restricting things for the sake of of being thin. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not talking necessarily about full-blown eating disorders. We're just talking about this kind of, like, obsessive control of what is entering my body. Right. Like, can you remember the first food that you restricted? Like, I feel like I've had this conversation with so many women, um, like, just about health and, you know, quote-unquote health and wellness and Mm -hmm. this. Oh, and so many missed messages. I had this idea when I was younger that if you didn't eat any fat, Mm -hmm. you would be super healthy. So I would eat, like, all carbs, basically, and I was I would eat, like, 15 fortune cookies a day. I don't really know why. Like, I just got big bags of fortune cookies, and I was like, <laughs> it's okay. There's no fat in them. Um, but, what like... What are those even made of? I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing probably not, like, very nutritionally dense yeah. uh, ingredients. <laughs> just, but like, cardboard. I was fixated on the idea that they didn't have fat in mm-hmm. them, so they were, like... I could have as many fortune cookies as I wanted mm-hmm. um, until I think I told this to somebody on my dance team and they're like, what? <laughs> and that was the first time I was like, wait, you all don't follow these insane rules that you set for yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like every woman at some, like, or, you know, like many people, but I think women in specific, just because of the societal messages that we've been given, um, you know, I'm like, hey, what was the first food that you, like, convinced yourself that you couldn't eat anymore? Yeah. And, like, every person that I've talked to about it has, like, a specific story. They're like, oh, I remember. Like, yeah. I remember when I was like, oh, I can't eat sugar anymore. Or I can't eat gluten or I can't mm-hmm. eat, like, bread or carbs or pasta or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like, I think we all, like, tried that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am proud to say I've never tried to limit my carbs. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know me, I literally subside on carbohydrates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, oh my gosh, just like the people knowing us, like both Corey and and I, um, like out there listening, are probably like, 
how dare you speak of this? Mm. You both limit your diets oh, obsessively. We do. We do. <laughs> um, you know, because we both, um, Corey more so than I, but, you know, dabble. Well, I'd say Corey practices veganism. I'd say I dabble. <laughs> I dabble. Yeah. I'm like a 95 percenter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a, like, I'm a for-lifer. Yeah. I'm a for-lifer. You're um, a much better vegan than I am. But it's not a contest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to differentiate between what is it about a different lifestyle that mm-hmm. happens to encompass a diet versus um, an unhealthy obsession with what you're eating. Mm-hmm. So there was a time in my life, I don't know, like, what, we're in 2018, 2017 about? <laughs> so, like, a whole year ago? <laughs> Um, I was like pretty obsessively dieting and working out a lot um, Mm -hmm. and watching every single calorie that went into my mouth. And then the second the event that was over that I was dieting for, it was my wedding. (laughs) Uh, I was like, oh yeah, donuts! (laughs) Yes! Um, I like Corey a lot better when she's not dieting. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't fun. Um, uh, But yeah, there's a difference between living... A specific lifestyle um, mm-hmm. and being obsessive about your what you're eating and having a negative body image, as well as there's a difference between having like a gluten allergy mm-hmm. or you know having difficulty processing things. Like I really shouldn't be eating coconut. I love coconut though. I just have to moderate <laughs> it because otherwise I get a big stomachache. Right. Um, and like that's bad for me. I can't eat that ever because some my body will just die it'll explode and die and I'll turn into a blob and no one will love me if I touch this donut right and it's such a hard balance because for a lot of people um you know food for everybody we need to eat food but food has so many messages Mm -hmm. right and it's so emotional it's so emotional. I mean it's tied into like our culture like our Mm. environment growing up um you know like our like, just everything. I mean, yeah. food is is pretty much the most important thing that we engage with mm-hmm. on a daily ba- basis, mm-hmm. like, aside from, like, water oh, yeah. or whatever. Well, I got LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. That's another food group. <laughs> we should just do a whole, a whole um, <laughs> podcast on the mental health benefits of LaCroix. I'm there for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, food is, like, so tied into our identities. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I remember, um, like, you know, somewhat recently, like, meeting a partner's, like, family for the first time and having them be like, oh, wow, like, you, you, like, you eat. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I eat. Like, my family tradition involves, like, families getting together and eating. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not the type that, like, nibbles on a salad on the first date I'm more like the Liz Lemon like do you think you'd buy me like an order of mozzarella sticks (laughs) you know like um you know like and it is funny to me too that like you know the struggles that I've had with with eating like I remember gosh like as early as like eighth or ninth grade like comparing my body to all the bodies Mm. around me and you know like feeling like I should eat less or I should only eat this or that Like, I remember um, I had one friend who was, like, very, very thin, and I would always just, like, kind of admire her and be like, wow, she has so much better, like, self-control, or, like, she's so much, like, smarter, like, like, there were all these things that I assumed about her just based on, like, her body size, and, like, the more that I'm thinking about that and, like, reflecting back on that, I'm like, I was, like, 14 and, like, less than 100 pounds. Yeah. And, like, I was so fixated on this person who was probably, like, five pounds thinner than me. And, like, we both looked like crap. (laughs) Because we were, like, these, like, emaciatedly thin, like, shriveled up human beings. It's so funny that, like, there's so much, you know, positivity around. Like, when when someone does lose weight and it's for Mm -hmm. their, their... they feel proud of themselves and there's nothing wrong with feeling proud of yourself for losing weight and getting in shape and feeling healthy. Right. But I think we're more focused here on the, um, I am now a better person because I have lost weight or I am now somehow my ideal human because I fit into this size and then looking at other people and assuming that they are Mm -hmm. better than you or you're 
you know, never going to live up mm-hmm. to them because your bodies don't look the exact same. And I don't think anyone's bodies really look the exact same and be really boring if they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's, I feel like it's gotten worse and worse, like every year, you know, like yeah. I remember first when, um, you know, pri- way back in the day, like prior to social media, it was just like, oh, now I'm just like looking at all the bodies that are around me and comparing my body to those bodies. And then like, you know, like magazines, you know, like looking at magazines. Oh, well, we all know that these aren't real people, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's kind of like that sort of message that I remember feeling at least. And then like TV and then like Facebook and then like Instagram, Instagram. (laughs) where I swear to God, every third Jessica on my feed has joined Team Beachbody (laughs) and, you know, has some sort of you know, like, and I, and I understand that, like, it's all about the business, Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like they're selling you an identity. They're selling you this happiness that somehow occurs when you step on the scale and you're 10 pounds lighter than you were when you began, you know, like, like they're selling you this because they want your money. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want your life to get better. They don't want your mental health to improve. Like they just want you to pay $120 for the shakes and the beach body on demand subscription. Yeah. And then, like, that's all that you matter, you know? And I think a lot of people who go into it, they really do, like, they feel a benefit from it, and so they want other people to feel that benefit. But I think the majority of, like, the people at the very top mm-hmm. aren't caring about that. They care oh, about right. money. Yeah. Your friend who's trying to sell you something probably was like, I feel good sharing this with me. Yeah. And the message that gets sent is, you're not good enough right. the way you are. And here's the wild thing, too, that I feel like it's taken me a really long time to to understand is that, yeah, like, like when I'm actively losing weight, I tend to feel better. Like, I kind of tend to feel better. And, like, I feel like reassigning that feeling from I'm losing weight and I feel better to I'm exercising mm-hmm. and I feel better because, like, you know, losing weight does not make you happy. Exercise does make people happy. It helps happy with mental health. Happy people don't kill their husbands. They just don't. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, like, I feel like it's taken a really long time for me to differentiate, like, that, like, I need to be exercising for happiness and not mm-hmm. exercising for my, like, my physical looks, you know, yeah. like, not exercising for, um, calories, you know, like, replace, excuse me, I'm just burped <laughs> LaCroix, uh, to, like, not exercising to, like, you know, make up for all the calories that I ate, but exercising because I know that it makes me happy, um, yeah. I think that's really funny. I was saying the other day, I was like, I think to, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, ah, uh, I need to go back to the gym. I'm such a little bleh. And they're like, oh, but you're so skinny. And I was like, but that's not why I go to the gym. Like I go to the gym because I enjoy working out. I like pushing my body to do new things. I like, you know, accomplishing a new record or mm-hmm. lifting something I couldn't have lifted last week. And I like the way I feel after I'm done exercising and I get all those endorphins and it manage, you know, helps me manage my anxiety and my mood mm-hmm. and all of those things. But there's such a tie to then, well, what does it look like when you're done going to the gym? And I think kind of coming back to the Instagram piece, um, I am not technologically savvy. Did you know that, Emily? <laughs> I'm really surprised to hear that. Hey, are you? <laughs> Guess who does all of the stuff for the podcast? It's not me. <laughs> it's Huxley, the cat. <laughs> um, and so I joined Instagram. I was a little late to the game. Um, and I started seeing, like, all these images of, of women in, you know, workout gear and, and bikinis and stuff. And I was like, whoa, it's like everyone just, like, ripped? What planet am I on? <laughs> like, what is happening here? I blinked my eyes I, and everyone is ripped. <laughs> it took me, like, a solid year to figure out that people were posing. Yeah. I didn't know about posing. Not only that, I mean, there's, like, 30 apps that you can get that you can, like, shrink your butt. Or that came, not, like, six months I later. You... I didn't know about Photoshop or Instagram. <laughs> I was like... No, people only Photoshop, like, things on magazines. Not These are, like, real people. And then it was a, a common friend that we had that was like, uh, let me show you how I Photoshop everything, you yeah, know, how yeah. I can Photoshop this picture if you really fast. And I was like, oh, my god! Oh, my God! <laughs> Wait, so, 
other, like people have rolls and cellulite and stretch marks and zits and they just cover they just them cover up. them up with yeah. Photoshop and posing. Huh. Okay, okay. It's almost as if the the veil has been lifted. And I would like to add that I am a 31-year-old woman. (laughs) But it makes me think so much about our teens Mm -hmm. and our, you know, more impressionable, younger youth who maybe they know that on some level, probably. Mm -hmm. They're probably not in the dark like I am. But how hard it was, even after I know that everything is posed and all of those things and um, how hard it is to not let those messages think, sink in. Uh, look mm-hmm. at that person's body and look at how amazing they look. And then to take that message of like, yeah, we can all look at a nice body. Like, I am not saying there's something wrong with looking at Corey. a body and appreciating it. Um, <laughs> but to internalize the message that because my body doesn't look mm-hmm. like that, I am somehow lesser than. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if it's hard for people who are very aware of it, I imagine how hard that would be for someone who's maybe not aware that those are the messages that we're getting right or or, are not able to uh, dispel them back out. Right. Like, I wonder how many people out there, like, you know, Photoshop or, like, Facetune their pictures and they think that they're the only one doing it. Like, I could see that being, like, a whole other, you know, like, kind of obsession. Like, we're talking about this, like, orthorexia obsession where this obsession with, like, wellness and health and all that stuff. Um, but like an obsession with like, or like feeling like you're the only person that has to alter oh, their images, yeah. you know? Cause I, I mean, I'm, I'll come clean. Like I've definitely Photoshopped pictures of have myself. You, have you Photoshopped Emily? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that one. Um, also I will say I just learned about filters. <laughs> I, like... You guys, Corey's really behind <laughs> I feel, can, can I just take a moment alone with the microphone? I just feel really embarrassed for all the things that Corey said. I just really want to apologize. Okay, I just got Snapchat. I just learned about filters. I don't know how to use it. I have two friends, Emily. What did you think do? that people were doing? How were they getting the dog faces? I thought, well, I knew about the dog faces. I didn't know that the filters, like, made you, I thought that was makeup, or, like, everyone was just really good at makeup, or, like, somehow, like, really good at posing in pictures. <laughs> I just pose and suddenly, like... Uh, I was like, wow, I'm really bad at taking pictures of myself. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. That's too funny. I know. I'm really smart, you guys. That's true. I mean, yeah, like, it's it's crazy, too. Like, I remember, um, like, in photo class, because I, I did, like, my undergrad and took a bunch of, like, studio art classes and photography classes, and, like, you can even, like, analog Photoshop things. Which I had no idea. What are those words? And, like, you know, all the, like, really beautifully bodied humans in my class were, like, photoshopping, quote-unquote photoshopping their, um, you know, the photos of themselves for photo class. It's, like, you basically, like, move your hand underneath the the light as it um, activates the the paper that you take photos on. And then it blurs the, the areas that you're, like, moving your hand by. I feel like I'm doing a lot of wild gesticulation, yeah. and you guys are missing out. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, like, you know, even old school photos are photoshopped. Yeah, I do remember, like, college, I got, you know, my fancy MacBook for the first time, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, snap, like, you can, like, Photoshop your zits out. <laughs> and I remember, like, I did it, and then I, like, zoomed the picture back up, and I was just, like, a blurry, like, pixelated mess, and I was like, oh, not for me, <laughs> can't do it. And I'm like, I finally look perfect. <laughs> but I, I mean, I will say that like Emily and I are joking about some of the stuff. We're talking about it and bring light to it. And yet we really honestly do struggle with a lot of these, these things. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's probably no big secret to anyone who knows me <laughs> <laughs> that I like to eat. Yes. But I also am very cautious about what I eat mm-hmm. for the m- most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... Yeah, I have some, you know, body image stuff as a human. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that it doesn't in any way sound like hypocritical of us to be talking about this. Like we're not, we're like somehow above it because. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. In (laughs) the thick of it. Oh, we participate in it all the time. (laughs) I mean, like, 
I feel like, you know, like I recently went on a, a trip to Mexico and like the, you know, weeks before that I was like, man, I like really got to look good in this bikini, you know, like that. Like I was really like anxious mm-hmm. about it. And then like it took until basically when I was returning from the trip that I was like, wow, I was really fixated on that. Yeah. And like it took just like kind of going and eating a bunch of food to like chill out about it and mm-hmm. just be like, wow, nobody cared. Yeah. You know? and like, that's, Yeah. I keep remembering that like. When I see other people at the beach or at the pool, I'm not thinking like, oh, like I, I bet they, you know, ate really obsessively all week to get here. I'm like, oh, everyone is in a bathing suit and oh, no one cares because they're in a bathing suit having fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like everybody just looks kind of normal. And everyone's just got like a body. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know our bodies do more than like have to look perfect? What? I know. First, you're telling me you thought a Snapchat filter was makeup, and now you're, you're telling me this? You're just blowing my mind a bit. I am full of really good wisdom mm-hmm. today, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to, you know, go back to that that sentiment that Corey was sharing about, like, you know, like, we're certainly guilty of it, too. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, I think just a few years ago, I had a friend comment on... Um, like, pretty recently when I saw her that she was like, man, I'm so glad that, like, you, like, jumped off. Because I spent a lot of time doing the whole, like, gluten-free thing. And I think that that was more of, like, an excuse for, like, not eating things when I was out with people. Mm. You know? Like, mm-hmm. it was like a, you know, I don't have to have any conversation around this because um, I have this, like, kind of prefabricated excuse. Yeah. You know? Like, I can't drink beer when I'm out. Oh, I'm gluten-free. Yeah. I can only drink, like, this, that, or this. You know? Like... Um, and I was like dating someone at the time who was like obsessed with calories. And I think I just kind of got like some of that by osmosis of like, you know, like they were like meal prepping every meal, eating like chicken and broccoli for every meal. And like, I was like, I'm doing something wrong. Like Mm. I'm not working on making my body healthy. Yeah. And my friend commented to me like recently and she was like, I'm so glad that you've like chilled out about that. Like, you were, like, unhealthy. Like, you look like a child. And I was like, oh, God, okay, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, man, like, that's even another, like, level of, like, like, I didn't feel like this person at all was, like, policing my body or saying that I shouldn't Mm -hmm. look like that, you know, or whatever. But, you know, she was really worried about that obsession. Yeah. Yeah. I was having. So, like, yeah. I think you can uh, account for how obsessive I have been in the past about... (laughs) Cory lunch. Cory lunch. <laughs> in which I ate the exact same thing for lunch every day for like a year. I mean, it was pretty delicious. It was actually really good. And it, was, it wasn't even a low calorie situation. Yeah. I just, just really liked it. High in fiber. <laughs> it was high in fiber. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and there's different ways to be obsessive about things. And and part of um, kind of what we're talking about with, if we're going back to orthorexia is that um it doesn't have to necessarily be like a quote unquote, like, or it doesn't have to be like a nutritionally healthy food, but if you deem it a healthy food and then kind of like obsessively do Mm -hmm. things around that. And I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions around what is a a healthy or unhealthy food. Like I said, Mm -hmm. my like 14 year old self was like, oh, fortune cookies don't have fat in them. That means they're healthy. (laughs) And what I didn't know was to look at like, is there any nutritional value in this whatsoever? Or is this a snack? Is this like a fun treat that tastes mm-hmm. good and eat it because it tastes good and it's fun as opposed to, oh, well, this doesn't have fat, so you won't get fat, so you can eat this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we we often put, you know, these these like nonsensical labels mm-hmm. on food as like good or bad inherently mm-hmm. um, when like you were talking about moderation is, is so key, which is funny coming from two vegans. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I, that's mm-hmm. a, a separate, because yeah. it's not like I don't eat cheese, I just eat the vegan cheese. And I feel like that's a misrepresentation, too. Like, you know, I know, like, just going to the grocery store, like, the yeah. natural, healthy foods is where they put all the vegan things. Yeah. And, I'm like, you realize that this is just made out of, like, corn and fat, right? Yeah. Like, it's not actually... This isn't, like, a healthier, quote-unquote, yeah, healthier like option. healthy. Um, or, like, you know, like low calorie things being perceived as as healthy Mm -hmm. you know like celery you know or cucumbers like I remember so many girls would be like I just eat cucumbers or I just eat celery all day and like 
um, because it's so good for you. And it's like, no, it's just fiber water and water. Fiber, yeah. Like, it's not really good for you. It's going to fill you up reasonably well, but, like, it's not providing you any nutrients. Yeah. I mean, fact check us if we're wrong here. We're not I don't know. We're not nutritionists. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> this is pontification at its finest. Yeah, yeah. We're just, we're just out here um, shit-talking Team Beachbody. <laughs> Come at us. Come at me, Team Beachbody. <laughs> We're going to get like a cease and desist. Oh, jeez. Uh, I am not affiliated with anything. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to, to also like be conscious of eating healthy um, and not fall into that trap really quickly, right? I know that I, I tend to fall into two categories of like, I'm being healthy and like I ate too much like junk food and my body doesn't feel good, you know, like when you get older and you get like a sugar hangover Ugh, uh, after like two Oreos and you're like, Ugh. 22 year olds, like enjoy it while you yeah. can. It's, it's all going to end. It's going to be ripped from You're going to eat like a single French fry and feel it for a week. It's right. great. You're going to go out and eat a single French fry and drink a glass of wine and be hungover th- for three days. <laughs> and then I want you to call me and say, you were so right. Yeah. Like, I'll give you my personal number. <laughs> Um, where was I going? I got so lost. I don't know. I feel like, you know, you're doing a really good job of keeping us on task in, in this particular um, episode. I it's feel like I'm, I'm just like, episodes, episodes. derail, derail, derail. <laughs> uh, if you feel like you are struggling with these things, please reach out. I think a lot of people think that this is uh, fairly, you know, like that's just life and like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's all good because I... We get to these labels of like, I don't have an eating disorder, right? And we're not talking about eating disorders in this episode. I mean, orthorexia is an undiagnosed, not fully recognized in the same sense. As like anorexia. Yeah, and we're not even fully talking about orthorexia. We're talking about like health and wellness. Obsessions. Yeah. You know. But um, if you feel like that's something that you are struggling with and and you... want to find someone to talk to about it, please do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to wait until you feel like you have a full-blown eating disorder. Um, right. And there are so many, like, great... I mean, first first and foremost, I think, like, you know, if you struggle with this, talk to a friend about it. I think, like... Normalization. Like, everyone deals with this. Like, I don't think it's, yeah. like, a one-in-a-million sort of situation. And I think that, like... You know, our the women in our communities need to be having this conversation more. You know, like, you know, ask your friends like more questions when they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna do the like 21 day shred." Mm-hmm. Hey, why are you doing that? Like, you know, like engaging people in a conversation. Like, I think our community needs to move in a direction where um, we're taking care of each other. You know, like especially as other women, like we need to be like yeah. taking care of each other's. Um, Bodies. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, there's also this inherent, like, competition, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, she looks like this, so I now Mm -hmm. have to do this, too. And that's just some patriarchal bullshit. Right. We need to be on the same team. Yeah. We need Um, to lift each other up. And if someone says, like, do you want to go work out with me? Like, yeah, I'm going to go work out with you. Like, I like working out. I think it's fun. But if it's a... Becomes a like I have to go work out or else I can't mm-hmm. eat dinner or I ate a donut so now I have to go to the gym or I mm-hmm. feel bad or I can't leave the gym until I get to five hundred calories burned on yeah. my Fitbit or something yeah. you know like, I'm guilty of that Be- oh, but that's yeah. more of a Me like too. I I'm a little you know I like when numbers are round and so I like <laughs> <laughs> that's an obsession for a different uh, day. That's a di- yeah we're <laughs> Yeah, I actually just had the experience the other day where I was going for a run and like usually I'm like, like from when I start my run to when I finish my run, I cannot stop because I am like pushing myself to the limit, yes. you know, like you gotta do, I you gotta finish your time. And um, the other day I like ran and I ran past a swing set and I was like, man, I really want to like go swing on the swings. It's like a nice day. The breeze would feel really nice. And I was like, fuck it. Like, who am I racing against? Like, I'm just doing this to have fun. Like, if this is going to be what's fun, then I should go do that. Yeah. And I felt, like, stupidly proud of myself. Like, I had, like, 
gone into like a um, advanced level. Like I had beaten a boss <laughs> in my mind, and I was just like, <laughs> "This is so wonderful." And then this I like guy it. like walks by, and he like this older gentleman just like gave me this look, like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, like I'm like lady. giggling to myself and swinging. I probably sometimes look like an insane a, person. You gotta. You sometimes you just gotta giggle and swing. Yeah, it's defeated fun. the boss of patriarchy. But yeah. Oh my goodness. Like. Going back to, like, resources and stuff, like, one um, Instagrammer and podcast host that I love to listen to and is probably one of my hashtag goals therapists is um, at Mindful Counseling um, on Instagram. She all, like, pretty much her, her um, her whole spiel is, like, intuitive eating, um, you know, like fuck diet culture, mm-hmm. therapy is cool. Like I yeah. love her message. It's spectacular. I definitely encourage people to look out for that. Um, I also recently listened to, uh, a podcast by the name of the heart, um, by podcaster Caitlin Prest. Um, and she does a little mini segment, um, called bodies and it's like an exploration of like what bodies mean to different people. And I think that that's a really, I yeah. felt very validated and heard listening to that. Cool. I felt There's an Instagram it. I love, and I want to make sure I get it right, because you know me and technology. It's a thing. Um, Corey, that's LinkedIn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Corey, that, that's your work email. Stop. Oh, um, Bozzy, Body Posse Panda? No. Yes. Her and, her. oh, it's Self Love Club. That's Self what I love. love Club. Yeah, I love her too. I love her. And Jamila, Jamil, Jamila. Yeah, yeah. The hashtag I weigh. Have you seen that? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so there's such a great community of um, of body positive women on Instagram. I actually like usually when I'm posting on Instagram, I usually hashtag body positive like on my post just because I love the community so much and I just really <laughs> want to be a part of it I love it <laughs> I'm like can I, I join it. please I love it um but yeah I think um do you have any other thoughts of I think that there's we could talk about this for days and I days know, and days and like I a... I also feel like you know we've probably just barely scratched the surface and there's so many other topics and areas mm-hmm. about this because eating eating disorders health and wellness is like, oh, so many mm-hmm. things, right? Um, right? But I think we just wanted to kind of chat about, like, dispel some of the myths and... Rag put, on Team Beach Party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just put out to the world, you know, again, I think a lot of our podcast is us talking about how we are just two human people who happen to be therapists and that we are not perfect and we also struggle with these things right you know and on that note too we are not perfect if we offended us or if we We offended offended us us, i'm offended (laughs) i offend myself quite frequently uh if we offended you please let us know please if we got it wrong please let us know like we want to hear from you um if you don't photoshop your pics at all let us know i don't photoshop my pics (laughs) Whatever, Corey. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> All right, that I believe. I probably would though. <laughs> Maybe I'll I'll do a poll on my on my Instagram and see. You know, go answer my poll. See, yeah. answer whether or not you Photoshop your pics, whether or not you feel comfortable in your body. Gosh, I actually I did a um I did a poll once on my Instagram. I forget what I asked. Oh, it was, um, do you have an unhealthy relationship with exercise? Oh, I think I said yes. Everyone, it was like 30, 40 responses and 100% yes. I was like, shit. Yeah. Maybe we need to have even another podcast about exercise. Yeah. Tell us what you want to hear more about. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, Should we go to some questions? Yeah. With that being said, we have two fantastic questions um, this week. I think we need some transition noises. Oh. Okay. So we need like a, a segment tune or something. Okay. So questions. Um one question asks, um, what are coping skills? And how do I use them? Um like, you know, people talk all the time. You need to like figure out what your coping skills are. Um, I'm notorious for saying use a skill. <laughs> You sure are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it's definitely, there's like a, 
a vibe that I get often where like coping skills and self-care are the same thing and it's always being in the bathtub with a like a lush bath bomb. Um, Who has time for that? <laughs> I don't even own a bathtub. <laughs> well, Corey certainly doesn't have time for that. I that would be baths. a lot of work. It's like... <laughs> Go to a hotel, go to Lush, get a bath. I know. But yeah, I agree that there's this um, idea that self-care and coping skills, or a coping skill has to be this hour-long situation where you disconnect from the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in reality, the things that we use to help us cope throughout the day are sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. Things that are part of our natural routine because we don't have time to just sit and take a bath or go for a walk or who has the time or money to go to a massage as much as we would all love to get massages. Right, right. And then, like, this distinction between, like, self-care and coping skills, too. Like, I really see, like, um, you know, self-care as being, like, the kind of more, like, long-term processes that we Mm -hmm. put into place in order to, like, overall kind of regulate our mood. And then coping skills are kind of more what we do, like, in the moment if we were like mm-hmm. struggling. Um, so I know that like self-care, you know, like we see all the posts on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're finding this podcast that are talking about like these very concrete things that people do. Um, take a walk in nature, mm. you know, take a bath, read a book, mm. you know, like all these like really listen to a podcast, listen to an adulting therapist TM yeah. podcast. Um, but then I think more of like, Coping skills for me feel way less tangible than self-care. Like, it's more like, have a conversation in my brain, yeah. you know? Like, um, take some deep breaths, you know? Like, maybe, like, I kind of like scratching on my arm mm-hmm. for some reason. That kind of calms me down. You know what I really love to do mm-hmm. when I'm feeling a little, like, whew? I just like to put my Burt's Bees on. Mm. Um, or Washing my hands. I like to wash my yeah. hands. Just, like... Anything that kind of snaps you out for a little second, like, that was pleasant. That was different. soothes you, you know? And, like, I feel like maybe we've said this before on on this, or maybe I'm just reflecting on previous client sessions, but, like, self-care and coping skills, like, are different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really impossible as a therapist to immediately pick the coping skills that are going to work for clients. Like, I feel like it's so much more helpful for clients to kind of explore those things on their own. Um, Because I can say, take a deep breath, and, you know, my clients will be like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Or, like, that stresses me out. Or, like, it makes my heart race. Or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, And so I think it's really about, like, finding the things that that work for you. Um, It's like some people's coping skills could be listening to a podcast about murder. Um, And some people's coping skills could be listening to songs that last upward of 30 minutes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are really getting to know us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so coping skill is more like something that you can do in the moment to help regulate yourself. Self care is more like long term things. Long term, like things to prepare for a panic attack that you might be having three months from now. Yeah. Self care you know? is you know taking like today. I had a lot of stuff to do, and I was like, you know what? It is beautiful outside. I need to go for a walk. I've got a lot of stuff on my plate right now. And I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm gonna take, come home, take my dog out, go for a lovely walk in the woods. Um, great. I was like, that's, that's what I needed right now. That mm-hmm. wasn't a coping skill because I had to leave work. Right. <laughs> I right. had a, you know, an opening in my schedule and I had to leave work mm-hmm. to, take, to do this. That's not a you know, coping skill was a LaCroix that I opened up and sipped on. You know, yeah. Or... Uh, you know, the good old-fashioned goat videos. Like, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> Corey is very behind. <laughs> to, behind kidding. what? Goats are cool. Goats are very cool. Uh, really cool. Goat videos are the bomb. <laughs> That's never going out of style. That's my forever coping skill. Yeah, right. And then, like, you know, I feel like today... Um, so we're recording this on Thursday... November 8th, so the day after the, the horrible, horrible shooting mm. in at the nightclub in L.A. Um, at Borderline. Um, I feel like my self-care for today was just not obsessing over the news and, like, 
you know, constantly hitting refresh and trying to hear more about the shooter and, like, what happened and being yeah. scared about it being, like, another radical right, you know, person. And so my self-care was just, like, I was, like, I just can't right now. Like, yeah. I just can't. And instead of focusing on that, I listened to a great, um, an, another great podcast um, from the Crooked Media group, um, Hysteria. So I, I listened to oh. these women talking about how exciting it was, all the women that recently won um, house seats and, you know, yes. spots in our government and how the, the women's wave, we didn't have a blue wave, but we got a, a wave of women and that is good enough for me. Um, so that was kind of my self-care was focusing on the things that um, are good for a moment. Um, yeah, which is hard to do when, you know, it's so, it's, it's tough out there. It's, things are, yeah. things are rough and... I think that's that highlights that <clears throat> that uh, self care and coping skills, while not the same thing, are so important to use. And we're not talking about like the you know the last resort things. Like I'm about to have a panic attack right now. I need to you know mm-hmm. breathe into a bag. Although, who does that? Um, <laughs> if you do that, let us know. Let us know. I'd be curious. Did we get that wrong? Um, <laughs> uh, but just what do you need to do to get through your day? And um, we're not talking just for anxiety or just for depression. We're talking about, like, just your day-to-day stuff mm-hmm. also, right? And that's, like, a whole other go really deep into specific coping skills for, like, depression, mm-hmm. suicide ideation, self-harm. Right. Some of those, which I love. Yeah. And I've been known to carry around, you know, skill cards in my oh, pocket. Oh, I got, I have a whole packet of Hand them out, left and right. Definitely recommend, like, if you are a kind of self-motivated um, person who's interested in therapy, interested in psychology, but not necessarily, like, seeing a therapist, or even if you are seeing a therapist, I highly recommend just, like, reading over a ton of DBT skills. What? What? Just just try them, you know, like run through them, see what works, because you'll find out a lot about yourself, and I bet it will help you quite a bit. I use DBT skills every day. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's fun mm-hmm. to teach people about them, and then you're like, also, this is how I did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you use this skill? I'm like, I know. Yeah. Also, I'm a human who has emotions, and sometimes I need to use my wise mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, her day. Every, Every damn day. day. Am I using that wise mind? Right. Because my emotional mind is like, ah! <laughs> And my logical mind is like, I'm here too, please, I think. <laughs> we should talk about wise mind soon. Yeah, if y'all don't know what wise mind is, real, real quick overview. We got like, you know, the Venn diagram. Not the meme version, but just a regular Venn diagram. <laughs> What's the meme version? Oh, you know, and it's like... Uh, I don't know. I'm not cool. I can't think about fast enough to explain it. I can't show you guys, and I just need to show a meme. I can't explain a meme. And can we get a whiteboard in here? Yeah. Uh, are there visuals in podcasts ever? I know I'm not good on the technology, but is there a way to... Uh, oh, not yet. Okay. Maybe okay. one day. Um, so in our wise mind, we have our emotional mind, our logical mind, and our wise mind. And our wise mind is kind of our mix of the two. It's kind of where we would ideally like to be. And so our emotional mind is kind of your heart's on your sleeve. Your emotions are out there. They're raw. They're vulnerable. You know, it's like a, a raw nerve. Like if someone touches it, you might it's explode. Your logical mind is where you're kind of like free of distraction, super focused, very black and white. And a this plus is, B equals C. Yes. You know. And when we have those two things without the other, when they're isolated, if you're only in your emotional mind, you can respond purely out of emotion. You might say something you regret. You might end up hurting yourself or somebody else. If you're only responding out of your logical mind, you might end up um, not getting what you want. You might end up not um, taking into account other factors. Um, You might limit yourself greatly. So, and while logical mind seems like maybe the more ideal in society, it's really not. Um, We want our both of those together to come together to wise mind. We want to be able to listen to our heart and we want to be able to listen to our head and be rational and logical with acknowledging our emotions and other people's emotions. So that's where wise mind comes in. And there's your coping skill of the day. Coping skill of the day. 
Awesome. <laughs> um, do we have time for another question? Or are we getting pretty close? We, oh, we got time we got for time. another question. Okay, so the other question that I got from the Instagram. Um, not sure if you've heard of it, Corey. What's Instagram? <laughs> um, was Do I uh, need a computer for that? Shush. <laughs> <laughs> um, was, why is therapy so dang expensive? Oh, snap. Um, and I totally relate with that a lot. Yes. And it's such a hard conversation to have. Because, so, yeah. I would love to tackle why is therapy so damn mm-hmm. expensive. Yeah. And I think there's so many layers to it. Okay. Where to begin? One, did you know that we both went to school for like a long ass time? Yeah. It was a long time. Yeah. We went to school for a long time. A long time. Yeah. Um, so we have pretty advanced graduate degrees mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, highly educated. I know that yeah. I can't work Instagram and I don't know about <laughs> filters, but uh, I would consider... Surprisingly matriculated over here. <laughs> I would consider Emily and I, and as well as all therapists who have the credentials to be highly educated people who specialize in healthcare mm-hmm. and mental health. Right. Um, so we've had a lot of training. We've gone lot. to a lot of school. Um, I think, like, the biggest thing on my mind, you know, when I set my rates, you know, from when I've set my rates for my practice is really figuring out how much I actually make out of one hour of mm-hmm. therapy and how much time I'm actually committing to that hour. So if you have, like, a, a good therapist, like... You know, they're, they're reviewing your file before you get there. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about, you know, interventions that might be able to help you outside of the hour that you're actually there. Yeah. They're researching, you know, the specific diagnosis that you might have. Um, they're communicating with you around schedule changes. They're communicating with you around um, crises that might come up during the week. Um, they're submitting your insurance paperwork or... Mm you know, collecting your payment or doing their taxes. Um, We're also, you know, paying for the time that we're in the space doing therapy. Um, We're also paying really significant, horrible, horrible taxes, Um, Mm. you know, on, on every hour of therapy that we complete. So it's like if you think about, you know, like I'd say an average cost of a therapy hour, probably somewhere between like 100 $150, depending on where you live, Mm -hmm. um, and the accreditation of the counselor. So you're only there for 50 minutes, but the therapist is really doing much more work Mm -hmm. than, than just the hour that you see them. So if you estimate like on a week, maybe there's an hour outside of the actual session that you're in that the therapist is doing work around your case, that brings that hour down to like, really like fit, you know, if it's a hundred bucks, like $50 an hour for the amount of work that you're doing. And then on top of that, like, we're losing like 40% of that to taxes. So it's like really a therapy hour. Like, like I realize that it's a lot coming out of the, the client's pocket, but it ends up not being a whole lot when it's in the yeah. therapist's pocket. Um, the other thing I like to talk about when we, when I talk about rates is how undervalued therapy can be. So um, a lot of times people, well, you're just sitting there and just like, I'm just talking to you, right? I'm talking to you. You talk to your friends for free, right? <laughs> um, we're doing more than just sitting there and talking to you, right? Helping clients work through depression, grief, trauma, crisis, you name it, is emotionally draining. So it's an emotional labor, mm-hmm. um, which historically is, tends to be undervalued. Because it's quote unquote women's work. Yeah, and I mean it leads to health problems. I mean, like vicarious trauma, mm-hmm. which is what you know psychologists call the stress that people go under, like re-experiencing other people's trauma with them. You know, like vicarious trauma is associated with burnout. It's associated mm-hmm. with like heart disease. I mean, a number of yeah. like long-term progressive mm-hmm. diseases and illnesses. So, um, yeah, this, this uh, importance of 
acknowledging that the work that therapists do isn't just sitting and chatting over coffee with the friend, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's not what we're doing. And that it's not just, you know, oh, you got to sit down. I did, I wasn't doing this other thing. But emotional labor, emotional work is really tough, hard work that, mm -hmm. that we don't get to just kind of take off at the end of our day either. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after a hard day, I, I tend to bring it home with me a little bit. Like I, that's why I have my self-care self plans and my coping skills to leave as much as I can mm -hmm. at the office. Um, but, you know, it seeps over. I think every therapist in the world has probably had a dream about a client or woken up in a, you know, in a panic about, mm -hmm. ah, I, I hope they're okay. Yeah. It's hard to let go of some things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why the hour is priced the way it is because it's valuing this, you know, mm -hmm. this intense work that, right. um, that therapists do. Yeah, and, like, we also, like, can't really in good faith like work a normal amount of hours in a day you know like most people go to work say you know you go you make $15 an hour for eight hours a day yeah um and it's like we can't work eight hours a day like back to back to back like can you imagine if you like if you had you know eight different stories that you're trying to keep track all throughout an entire work day. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really, really hard to, um, you know, be able to be emotionally present for that much emotional space. And so it's like, realistically, like, we can't work as much as a normal 40-hour work week as a therapist. Yeah, no, you can't see 40 clients a week. You would lose your mind. You would, yeah, you would just explode yeah i'm sure <laughs> there's probably tons of people out there that do it um we are not those people. yeah we're definitely not those people and i would really call to question like whether or not that's like ethical work to be managing the caseloads of 40 people who have mental health diagnoses that need your support yeah. and could have an emergency you know like yeah it's really difficult um, that sounded so patronizing when I said it. It's really difficult. It's really hard. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to be a it's therapist. It's hard, you guys. It's, it is, it is it's hard, It's hard though. to be an adult yeah. and a therapist <laughs> and still trying to figure it all out. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, um, but yeah, I hope that answers some of the questions about why therapy is so dang expensive. Um, we understand it's definitely a barrier for a lot of people and, and wish that there was more mm -hmm. that could be done about it. And um, with that being said, too, I think most providers offer a sliding mm -hmm. scale. Um, you know, it, it doesn't often go down as low as people are comfortable paying weekly. Um, but if you think about it, you know, like, even if someone's sliding scale was, say, 80 bucks an hour, if you come every other week, you know, like, the commitment for, for a month, you know, 160 mm -hmm. bucks, um, pretty significant. But, you know, like, if you think about how much, I mean, there's a cap on how much therapy is really going to be helpful for you. If, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you can't go regularly or yeah. get the traction. And I actually want to um, double back to, because I think we had talked about, like, better, better help and talk space mm. on here before. And I actually had just been doing some research over the last couple of weeks about um, both of those therapy products and... I would like to put a word of caution oh. um, out there of just, um, if you kind of, I'm not going to go into it, but if you do some research and kind of Google things, there's a lot of like ethical violations that both of those co companies are sorting through right now. So I would definitely uh, hesitate to go that direction. Unless oh, that's a bummer. It's absolutely necessary. Yeah. There is a, I think we talked about open path. Yes, being yeah, another. open path. So that's a, a place where therapists can um, say, hey, I've got a spot for a sliding scale. Um, I'd like to put it here, and this is the rate that I can go to for a sliding scale, and then clients can find, oh, okay, connect them mm -hmm. with someone who's already set that rate, um, and then go and see that person. Yeah, and also, like, Portland Therapy Center uh, has a really cool feature to sort by sliding scale. Um costs and stuff like that so be creative you know like if you see a provider that you like go out there and get that therapist <laughs> yeah and it's, it's it is an investment yeah so if you if you think about it that way I mean 
I have spent a lot of money on therapy in my life, and I definitely do look back on it as an investment, as, as, a, as something that's helped me get to where I am now and to be able to be a pretty confident, uh, <laughs> well-adjusted adult. Um, to be Wait, able to so, help. So now you're an adult? I am an adult when I want to be an adult, okay? <laughs> but yeah, so I hope those answer some of your questions. If you still have some more, we'd love to hear um, any questions you have about about mm-hmm. that. Well, thanks for being patient with us as we took a little hiatus. Yeah, um, we had vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it was really important for us. Yeah, it's really important. So thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Please send us any messages, any feedback any questions, questions you want us to talk about give us lots of cues we want to like if you want to help me learn A's. how to uh you know use the internets uh <laughs> i wouldn't mind the help <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that next week okay <laughs> okay thanks everybody bye thanks for listening to adulting therapists to learn more about us you can find emily at sprouttherapypdx.com or on instagram at sprouttherapypdx And you can find Corey at CoreyAntonCounseling.com. See you for your next session.